everybody. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any kind of fantasy. I'm talking King Killer Chronicles fantasy by none other than the legendary Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah, this is one of our favorite series on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. We've loved chatting about it ever since I first pitched it to you in our first ever Friends Pitching Fantasy episode. That's right. Second series we ever read on the Friends Talking Mm -hmm. Fantasy podcast. And we just can't quit it, you know, for only two works in the series, two and a half, maybe, if you count Slow Regard. (laughs) We just need to find ways to keep the conversation going because it's a series that just sticks with us. And we know you guys like us talking about King Killer. They're definitely some of our more popular episodes. And we th- couldn't be more thrilled because there's so much to talk about. Those episodes, we felt like we had to like talk about everything back in those days. It's like, okay, we have like, and those episodes were like an hour and a half long. And it's like, you know what? Nothing's stopping us from continuing to talk about King Killer and over and over. <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing back then, Charles. Now <laughs> no. we have a little bit of an idea, still not very much, I feel, it's but still working it out. enough to say it's okay to talk about king killer more than just in our buddy read episode so we're excited to do that today with a discussion about is quoth a mary sue Ooh, this is a hot button issue in the king killer criticism world and um it's one that we talked about and touched on in our king killer buddy read episodes so definitely go and check those out but it's a question that we're really trying to get to the heart of today we've been kind of um, fascinated about this idea of a mary sue dylan and i've been doing a lot of research into the topic we have lots of thoughts about it and we plan on doing a more in-depth discussion of just the phrase mary sue uh in our next episode but we couldn't talk about that before one of fantasy's more popular Mary Sue's uh, quoth himself. Or alleged Mary Sue's, Charles. That's right. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll kind of, Dylan, as our resident um, king killer um, uh, lore master, will kind of kick oh, us off. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that the best place to start in this conversation is to introduce the term Mary Sue. It's obviously one that's thrown around a lot in fantasy communities, but some people might not know what it means. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, even (laughs) after all my research into it, I don't think I really know what it means, which uh, we'll get into more of that probably in our Mary Sue focused episode that Mm -hmm. you teased there. But Charles, shall we start by seeing what kind of definitions we came up with about Mary Sue? Yeah. What is a Mary Sue, Charles? Well, I have one just that I generically pulled up from Wikipedia um, that says, a Mary Sue is a generic name for any fictional character, and then in parentheses it says usually female, uh, who is so competent or perfect that this appears unrealistic for the world's setting, even in the context of the fictional setting. It goes on, but I think that's a good place to start. 
And for me, the important the, dis- the important distinction there is that it imp- appears unrealistic for the world's setting, right? It's not earned. Like they're good at something without having trained for it or without having the background in it or whatever. It's like an, this unearned, all of a sudden, top tier ability that they have achieved that kind of breaks the storyline for me. And that's the important distinction for me of what's a Mary Sue. It's like a plot breaking. It's like, oh, didn't need to train for that at all. Just happened to be an expert at it kind of thing. That is totally fair, Charles. I like you pointing out that bit about it being potentially unearned. I, I grabbed a lot of my definition from TV tropes. I'm sure okay. a lot of folks are Great familiar resource. with that. Yeah, they probably if they're like me, they've probably gone down the rabbit hole <laughs> and spend way too much time on there once they get started. So that's a great website, and they were reticent about giving a real definition for Mary Sue, given how broad it is, but they pointed out a few things that tend to come up when people talk about Mary Sue's, and they were saying that oftentimes it involves being, they said, irrelevantly overskilled or over-idealized, and I think that fits well with your point, Charles, where it's like okay is this stuff that is relevant or germane to the story and what we're trying to tell about this character or or is it just this they said oftentimes self-insert feeling character or meaning the author (laughs) is trying to write some sort of idealized version of themselves in the book and Oftentimes, other things that come up are that the character is flawless or their only flaws are actually likable things. It's like in job interviews where you say, well, my my greatest weakness is that I am uh, too dedicated to my work and things like that. So not real flaws. Uh, <laughs> and then the other thing is like everyone loves them or is attracted to them for seemingly no reason so those things came up yeah, a lot. those are good distinctions as well especially as we get into quoth himself um so how do you want to take this in terms of like how do we break down all the kind of accusations against quoth being a mary sue and how we feel about those allegations and things like that yeah i mean i think it's best for us to just frame as we usually do in our this is us having a conversation between friends about <laughs> do we think Quoth is a Mary Sue based on what we've come up with? We're not trying to be the final word or anything right. like that or really going strong with our takes. So I think maybe we could just talk about some of these things that we've raised already about what a Mary Sue can be and mm-hmm. see does Quoth fall into those categories based on our experience of reading the Kinkiller Chronicle. How's that sound, Charles? Sounds great to me. Yeah, like you said, we're just two friends talking fantasy. There's as we go through this, I mean I think you know, you'll find out that is Quoth and Mary Sue, we're leaning towards not really, but the <laughs> argument there's a very strong argument to be made that he is, and that's kind of the nuance that we're gonna get into in this, but you know, we're not here to argue. We're just kind of here as enthusiasts of the fantasy genre and of King Killers and of the idea of a Mary Sue just at all to kind of get into a more nuanced conversation about Quoth. And that's why we're here. 
So yeah, Dylan, I'll leave it to you to kind of bring up our first point here. For sure. Well, I want to dive deeper into the piece we were talking about regarding is it unrealistic for the world and what's going on around Quoth, as well as this piece about is it irrelevant right. to the story? Right. So I have some thoughts on that, Charles, that I think that uh, a big thing that comes up for me is differentiating between the frame story where Quoth has become Coat and is telling a story about himself when he was Quoth, this legendary figure. Mm -hmm. And I see the frame story as providing us with the knowledge that this is a tragedy, that this is going to end really poorly for Quoth, despite all these great qualities that Quoth holds. And in that sense, <laughs> I feel like it is relevant and helpful to know how incredible Quoth is at all of these different things because, you know, they say the bigger you are, the harder you fall. Right. I think that if you're trying to create a character where his fall from grace is going to be really interesting and entertaining, you have to give him the grace to fall from and <laughs> sure that's a big part for me of what makes quotes greatness in all of these ways relevant to the story and absolutely i think you did i think it's a good idea to start with this point of like look there's the frame story and then there's the story that is being told and i think it's really important from where we go from here to keep in mind of the context of this fictional setting okay the context is you have a man coat who is clearly like as self-described waiting to die defeated man and then the bulk of the story 99 percent of everything that we see from quoth is a story being told by coat so there's already a biased lens that we tend to forget about because it's such a large portion of the book but this is a story that's being told and that context is super important when you think about his accomplishments and how he is perceived by others and everything like that because this is a man telling a story about himself he's telling his life story and he's a storyteller he comes from a family of performers and it's like look no story is true without a little bit of lies and embellishments and entertainment aspect of it that's said right in the beginning of the book so you have to keep in mind the perspective and the context here of the whole story of Kingkiller. He quotes Scarpy, who right. is a legendary storyteller in Quoth's story, as saying, you have to be a bit of a liar to tell a story the right way. And I think Quoth, yes. <laughs> as someone who comes from performers and was influenced by someone like Scarpy, takes that very seriously. So I think a lot of the reason that people call characters Mary Sue's, like we said, is this idea of a self-insert character. Right. And it's an interesting one to think about with Kingkiller because the reasons why Quoth is getting labeled a Mary Sue a lot 
are much more about the things he's doing in the story within the story, meaning the story being told by Coke, not mm. what he's doing in the frame story as Coke, which means that <laughs> Quoth actually is a self-insert from Coat. Yes. I, I don't necessarily think from Rothfuss, but I don't know what Rothfuss was or wasn't thinking. I'm not him. But it, uh, I'll say the things that Quoth is doing in the vast majority of why he's being called a Mary Sue are pretty explicitly the ways that Coat is retelling his tale to shape the narrative to make himself look exactly like he wants to look. In fact, Coat basically tells Chronicler, who's taking down the story, that he'll only convey the story if Chronicler takes down every single word in the way that Coat said it. So we know that Coat has a tendency to be not necessarily completely reliable based on some of the things that he's done in the past and some of the things he's said. And we also know that he cares a lot about controlling the way that he is perceived. So to me, the relevance bit is part of the story of the King Killer Chronicle is about how does Coat choose to portray himself and how much of it do we believe is true and these speculations about is quote mary sue is he not i think are all part of it and i think they're deliberate intentional and relevant on the part of rothfuss's work here uh, for all you friends at home that can't see i'm i'm nodding my head enthusiastically the whole time i, I that's exceptionally well said because we have it's Roth. What makes this story so good is Rothfuss is not the kind of author who will repeat themes or have ominous things or whatever beyond stating the fact. He's committed to this idea that Coat is the narrator telling a story, and he's committed to telling the story in the way Coat would tell it. And he's not giving us that omniscient like, "Oh, I might be lying about certain things." It's just straight out like, "You have to write the story exactly how I say it." In that story, I'm telling you how I've learned to tell stories is by embellishing it. And Rothfuss kind of lays that out for you, not in such a blatantly obvious way, but in an ever-present way, an ever-honest way to coat. And I think that commitment um, and that nuance um, can easily get kind of confused and lost when you see what Quoth in the actual story gets up to and you're like eye rolling like oh he happens to be the best musician in the room just by getting up there and everyone loves him all of a sudden it's like well think about everything that happened up to that point and think about who's like we're still being told a story here think about who's telling it mm -hmm. like all those aspects come in they're very subtle they're very nuanced but they make it so rich and they make like where is the story going to go that much more exceptional for sure charles and i think it's okay if you're a reader who doesn't like hearing this story because the quote within the story within the story <laughs> is too good at things. You're allowed to not For like sure. that. It just makes me feel that the relevance is there for why Quoth is so good at so many things. And it's like, okay, and well, yes, okay, we get it that Coat is telling this embellished story about himself as 
quoth. But even in that embellished story, I also feel like, is he even a Mary Sue in this story? And there's many cases that common criticisms bring up that I'm like, well, they're kind of um, justified because this idea of like so competent or perfect that it appears unrealistic in the setting, I and we can there's a lot of cases, some stronger than others, and we, we'll probably go through them now. But um, I I feel like he's pretty much cleared on most, if not all, accounts <laughs> of this idea of like this unrealistic, unearned competency. I'm with you there, Charles. I have a few examples of places in which he very clearly displays flaws or not being great at things. Mm -hmm. I guess we could start uh, by naming the ways in which he does display ridiculous strengths in a lot of areas. Of course, right. he is a legendary figure and all this kind of stuff, so you expect some of that. Uh, he, of course, is really really great as a musician we also know he does play music a ton and practice and all right. these kind of things let's but talk about like the pipes the, the scene where he sure. earns his pipes is one of the most common maybe not the most but it's up there and it's kind of one of the earlier ones um where he's at the bar and you have to play your song to earn your pipes and he chooses to play one of the most complicated songs didn't really practice that much getting on stage and of course he plays the most complicated song flawlessly everyone in the room tears up and he earns his pipes that first day that first time and people are like oh of course he gets up there and he's the best at everything but it's like there's a lot this idea of is it unrealistic is it unearned that this character would be able to be really good at music at that moment and kind of play from his heart and earn his pipes. This was someone who grew up performing in a performance troupe, right? The Redeemer Rue are performers. Then he had this whole moment where his parents died and he just was in the woods by himself doing nothing but playing the lute over and over. And Roth just even writes this moment of like, he started to play songs that sounded like the leaves blowing in the wind. It became a natural extension of his like of his body, of his subconscious mind, of his expression. He was able to express himself through his music flawlessly. And that's because he just was in so much shock from losing his parents that he just practiced nonstop. So it's like those moments, yeah, even though what he managed to achieve was sensational of like playing the, the most difficult song and earning your pipes is kind of a sensational thing. He is the protagonist of a story and it wasn't totally unearned. He did nothing but practice loot for a a long time and he learned how to make it a part of his ex self-expression and and for me that doesn't fall under Mary Sue because we have some competency it's not that unrealistic that he'd be able to pull this off that makes total sense Charles like you're saying he copes with the trauma of losing his parents by throwing himself completely into his music yes. and he plays so much that I mean, especially given his background as someone who already was being trained by the best people you could be trained by to be good at music, <laughs> then he, yeah, he becomes ridiculously good at music. And it's almost, I, I know, Charles, we'll get more into the discussion of how productive Mary Sue is as a conversation topic, right? Certain people are going to be really good at things and are going to have some natural talent at, at things. For sure. Uh, Working hard definitely helps the case, and, and the combination of those two things is how you expect people to 
best be able to rise to being elite at something like it quoth being ridiculously good at music and us being like well does that make him a mary sue it's almost like if if michael jordan were a character in a book we'd be like oh my god like (laughs) is this guy a mary sue like he's so ridiculously good at basketball it's like someone's going to be the best at basketball and it's probably going to be someone who like michael jordan had a lot of natural talent but also worked ridiculously hard to become Really good and if you're a protagonist, exactly. And if you're going to be the protagonist of a fantasy book, you're going to have some remarkable traits. Yes. I think the key thing to think about here is: is this a trait that should not be possible? Mm-hmm. Like, should it not be possible that Quoth earns his pipes if he's like, "Oh, what's a loot? Let me see that," and he like starts plucking and then gets up and plays the most difficult song? It's like, well, okay, that's kind of crazy. But we've had this whole thing about him being a performer and coming from a family of musicians and how music was his only salvation at, at his lowest lows and how his loot is his most prized possession. And then he gets up and plays and performs. And you that to me is not some, is not impossible for him to have achieved at that time. And that's the distinction for Mary Sue. It's like this, okay, how much is someone like just super capable and competent versus is this something that should not be possible or was this earned in any way? And I think Rothfuss, by writing into his background that this guy is a storyteller and a performer, makes a lot of this stuff like almost brilliant in a way. So I'm I'm all in on this fact that he's in this moment this is an idea of someone doing something exceptional but does not qualify for Mary Sue for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Charles. And it sounds like we we feel good about yep. the his musical ability other things that he's been really good at uh one example is his magical ability right he seems to have a knack for naming more than most uh he also uses sympathy to some pretty impressive extents um i'll say i don't know if this one needs as much conversation as the music but he does have a similar reason for why he's good at those things, which is he happened to run into his troop, happened to run into uh, Ben, who mm-hmm. trains him at all this stuff from a very, very young age. And he pretty much has a boost over what most people would get because he had this mentor figure in his life to teach him the basics of these things. And he got a lot of private lessons. And then I think you also have to ask yourself again, the context that this is a story being told is like, maybe he wasn't as remarkable as we're supposed to believe. Maybe he is. I don't know. But what we do know is that he was, he did get private lessons from Ben when he was a child. Mm -hmm. And then he was a good student and performed well at school the fact that he was the best in his class is not an unrealistic, unearned thing. Like, he's getting the lessons. He's at school. Uh, you can kind of roll your eyes at, like, of course, now he's the best at this, and he's the best at this, and he's the best at this. But it's like, well, how how reliable is this narrator anyway? He's trying to tell his story and make it all about him. So it's more exciting if he's the best. We know he gets beaten a whole lot, and he falls from grace multiple times. It's like... Kind of got to take everything with a grain of salt until we get the truth when this trilogy ends. For sure. And even given his great magical ability, we still see these instances where he's actually not the best because he gets Mm. his butt kicked by Devi 
<laughs> when he tries to take her, he basically catches her by surprise, and he's got this whole conspiracy in his head of what Davy's done wrong, which she hadn't, but not relevant yeah. to this conversation. And despite catching her by surprise, she wrecks him yeah. in a contest <laughs> of sympathy. So, you know, no and, one's like... Yeah, for sure. And Patrick does a great job with with Quoth's character in this moment and several moments as well as like Quoth never really kind of empathizes with the people around him he's so caught up in his own thing that he's doing that he just assumes that people are just like not living their own lives and doing their own things <laughs> off on the sidelines when he's not interacting with them it's like I interact with you and then you basically like just sit in a corner until I interact with you again it's like no these people do stuff and have things going on and are and are training and are doing whatever and that gets him in trouble with authority all the time he has no sense of how people perceive him and that's something that someone with too much confidence would get himself wrapped into and it's all totally believable yeah if you're someone who's like super confident and also super young and you're performing well at school and you're beating all your classmates in sympathy it seems to reason that you can go on and take on Devi. And then Devi just smokes you. So as the reader, we're reading up until this point and being like, oh, he's such a Mary Sue. But it's like, he's got an inflated ego and he's telling his own story about how good he was. And then we kind of glance over the moment he wasn't good. you know. So it's like these things we have to think about. He's presented as being super competent, but he's also a sensationalized character. He's young. You know, all these things that are getting wrapped into it. The the context clues are that, like you said, Dylan, he gets wrecked by Devi. And the, these things where his run-ins with authority or people outside of his peer group, he, he gets reminded of this time and time again, but he fails to learn the lesson. <laughs> so it's like, it's wrapped into his, like his strengths are so well paired with his flaws. This is the character of Quoth. And you're supposed to not like him a little bit for how sensationalized his skills are and that's kind of built into his character it's a brilliant brilliant character that Rothfuss commits to and doesn't give us another perspective to to remind us like oh he's kind of a brat and he's kind of insufferable it's like we never get that told to us we get shown it over and over but it's not in an obvious way uh, Rothfuss's commitment to telling the story through quotes lens is what makes us sometimes forget the nuances going on in this and I can't repeat that enough I feel like it's the second time I've said it but it's true well we do get that moment with I believe it's with Sim where he's like hey dude after this trial you need to get out of here because <laughs> things that are going on with you are too controversial right now. No one wants to see you around here. And Quoth, because of that solipsistic nature that you were getting at there, Charles, mm -hmm. he basically can't see outside himself. That was like news to him. Yeah, in a way. I never thought of that. <laughs> other people have strong opinions about whether I should be here or not after the giant debacle that was that trial that was in everyone's <laughs> in the public eye and he's so attached to his own perspective and so are we as readers that sometimes we lose sight of quotes flaws because he's losing sight of them and i think we still do get these moments like you're saying context clues where someone like sam will mention that or even just things like uh, similar to him getting his butt kicked by Devi is that he, while he does take quickly to fighting and all this kind of stuff, he gets 
his butt kicked too by a 10-year-old girl over yes. and over again. And when he's learning the Lathani, he fails constantly, gets yes. kicked, gets his butt kicked by the 10-year-old over and over, and he has fears of getting his hands hurt. And that's what leads us to this beautiful, almost picturesque, hint, hint, storytale moment where he passes the trial and makes his hands bleed symbolically that he has he's all in another thani and it's a great moment and it's all realistic and built up and paid off it's like to say quote is a mary sue like he's the only mary sue i know that gets pummeled by a little girl over and over again consistently (laughs) (laughs) that's very true charles i think that we probably can't have a discussion about quote as potentially a mary sue without talking about Florian and uh, yeah. how pretty much following his uh, romp in the Fey with Florian, he is perceived as very desirable by <laughs> pretty much every woman that he comes into contact with. Uh, Charles, any thoughts on Oh, you're turning this? it to me now? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's a theme that runs through the latter half of the second book. They do like recreational kind of um, relations that a lot of fans kind of aren't necessarily on board with. Um, probably me included with that. It's not mm-hmm. something I really enjoy talking about that much. But I will say that that's one of the more damning things because this is something that he went into totally blind, I'll say. And then um, all of a sudden he impresses the romance creature with his romance. And you're like, okay. that's. But you have to also think that's a pivotal <laughs> moment in the storytelling. He starts to adopt these mythical he gets a mythical cloak. He like the this this tone of the story kind of changes. And it, he was trained by the Fae, right? So he picked up some lessons and he picked up some like magical things. Some sensa- I don't know if, how much it's magical as much as it is like he's been kind of changed by his time in the Fae. Uh, it makes him a little otherworldly, kind of. So when he comes back into the world of the of the living he he is kind of changed and he has some funky things going on with him and that's for multiple reasons beyond just the fey there's the cathay and all this other stuff too that he's interacted with in this world and who knows how much it's altered him but that's all kind of in context and i don't know i turn it back to you man for me it's like <laughs> it, it, it is what it is um but i feel like you know he's Again, Quoth has never been able to perceive what others think of him, and that comes to women also. And we've even had in these earlier moments where he's like, oh, you know, I, that woman was kind of interested in me and I blew it by not recognizing it until way too late. And then now he has more confidence in that area and he's starting to pick up on it and, um, you know, <laughs> do his thing more. It's kind of earned in that way. And then I go back to this constantly, this idea of this is a, story being told and it is kind of sensationalized but i don't know is it unearned is it unrealistic the guy has a shade cloak and can play loot really well and well educated like it's kind of eye-rolly but it's not mary sue 
there is that I like self-insertion piece though <laughs> you'd say <laughs> well, yeah we don't <laughs> we don't know what's going on or not going on there but <laughs> i'll agree with you that the most damning as you say element of the whole shtick here is the fact that he is basically a virgin and then he has this sexual interaction I'm trying to keep my uh, <laughs> our clean ratings as much as possible um he has this interaction with the fae and she's uh, with uh Florin and she's very very impressed and like doesn't <laughs> believe him that it was his first time if we take that outside if we take that as just true without a grain of salt because of the unreliable narrator piece of Coat telling his story, then I think that feels pretty Mary Sue-esque. Uh, right. I don't know if that means he's necessarily a Mary Sue, but depending on how you define Mary Sue, and there's many ways to do that, maybe you feel that way. And look, we said I, there's a strong case to be made that he is, and this mm-hmm. is a piece that's a strong part of it, but yeah, I always come back to like, it is a story of an exceptional guy who goes into myth status. So it's yeah. like this this whole like, like somehow he just stumbled into this magical setting and did some kind of crazy thing for a little while and then coming back to reality is part of that mythical nature of it. So For sure. I'm, not I, my favorite part of the... I no. love Kinkiller, as we all know. <laughs> not my favorite part of the series, for sure. And maybe the most... Uh, the strongest case comes from some of these aspects. But it, despite the fact that just about every woman that Quoth interacts with is interested in him, we do have the element of Denna, who <laughs> Quoth... I mean, she definitely seems Gone a long way without mentioning Denna for a Kingkiller episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was shockingly long, but I, I can't help myself. And I think this is a key part of the Quoth Mary Sue conversation because people actually use Denna as an example I've seen to say why Quoth is a Mary Sue. Like people saying things, well, of course he his love interest is uh, the most beautiful, most amazing, most all these things that Denna is described as by Coat, yes. but not necessarily by the other characters, <laughs> including Bast, who has yes. seen her and mentions uh, she had a crooked nose. She has a, a crooked nose. <laughs> that yeah. is fact that we know. One of the few pieces of like real fact from the present day king killer that we know to be true that contradicts the <laughs> the uh, flawless description of her in the in the actual story told by coat so rothas is for the way i see it is like a context clue of like hey this is a sign of what else he could be capable of telling the story you know great yes. point if we took it at face value that everything coat i see what you says, did there <laughs> <laughs> at nose value yeah. <laughs> we don't want to cut off our nose despite our faces when it comes to coat as an unreliable narrator that's true so <laughs> you you get to hear that coat thinks of denna in this extremely perfect light which makes sense with everything we come to know but we also pretty immediately get the context that the one other person who can speak to this is like 
wait, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> this is not how I think of the person that you're talking about. And I've seen her. And I think, as you said, Charles, that's a great sign that Cote is capable of embellishing a lot of his story and that he, even if he's not doing it intentionally, just only has his one perspective. I think he is doing it intentionally for the record, but (laughs) he only has his one perspective. And in his perspective, Denna is just about perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not surprising that then she's described that way and I think it is relevant that she's described that way to Quoth and his character and even if she was perfect Charles uh, which we don't think she is uh, then it's still not this thing where and Quoth quote unquote gets the girl um, and she is perfect in every way it's that Quoth just can't put it together with her like they just can't figure out what's going on between them in a way that works. And we know from the frame story that barring some big reveal, these two don't end up together. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty sad, I think, but it's similar to the same stuff we were talking about with the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Right. Like he had an opportunity to be with what he perceives, who he perceives as the perfect woman. And he, he can't make it happen and that's uh, tragic for sure and i think that also weaves in like for how exceptional he is and he even is able to get the attention of denna um rothfuss always balances it with the flaws in quoth's character and that he can't see what denna like anything that's about himself he's just so blind to any perspective perspective other than his own and he's so unsure about how denna feels even though everyone around him is beyond frustrated with the situation he can't seem to see it and that happens constantly he'll see it in other people's relationships like oh why don't they get together already and it's it's like are you kidding me quote like <laughs> you, you and denna are the prime example of, of of what this is so even in these moments that you can roll your eyes at and be like oh of course here comes the love interest it's like Rothfuss purposely puts that in and balances it against the trope where it's like they can't get together. She's not as perfect as we think. She might not be as perfect as we think she is. Like she's going off doing adventures. And so when they connect, who knows what's happened in her world? Like Quoth doesn't even think about it. But I mean, she lives a whole life. So something's going on. And the fact that they are never able to express their feelings for each other and get together is a central part of that and quoth is like ignoring maybe some potential signs from denna of like what's going on in her life that he's kind of clueless to and it's all blended together really well in the character of quoth and i think that this part of it of being this attractive guy or maybe getting attention from denna from the beginning is an important piece to that and for me there's no way in which that that is um, unrealistic or um, not possible. It, it, like they met by chance and they have run into each other and it might not even be by chance that they're running into each other anymore, right? So all of these mysteries and things are well woven into the narrative that we have to consider and the tropes that were being that are being subverted and the character that Rothfuss is building. It, it all is so masterful and understated and I feel like it gets kind of 
lost when you just see two characters meet and immediately get attracted to each other. You're like, ah, oh, this is, I've seen this before. It's, cr- it's ridiculous. But it's like, think about the context in which it's being done. It's actually rather interesting. It's like, we'll see where it goes too. So uh, yeah, it's just the dinner relationship is one of those things that's like, it's the whole mystery of this book is what Denna's up to. And we'll see. For sure, Charles. And I think putting a, a bow on the Denna part of this conversation is I think if Quoth were Mary Sue, Denna probably, him and Denna would have gotten together by this point. Denna right? would have professed would, her love Denna for him, been, said a bunch of nice yeah. things about him, like, oh, Quoth, you're the best at playing loot. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, but that has not happened. Yeah. It's. And there's a whole nother conversation to be had about the Denna and Quoth relationship and the criticisms that pop up from that, <laughs> as we both For know sure. in our King Killer episodes. But in the context of Mary Sueism, I do. There's better cases to be made in the book than the Denna Quoth relationship. Charles, are you teasing my episode idea of the good, the bad, and the crooked an analysis of an analysis of the Quoth and Denner relationship? Um, yeah. And we've also, you know, had that conversation a couple times in our Buddy Read episodes. And we even had this conversation about Mary is Quoth and Mary Sue in our Buddy Read episodes. And I went back and listened. I was kinda light on the my stance. And when I was first talking about him, I'm like, he could be perceived as one. I kind of get it. And now I'm kind of more on like, now that I've read more of Kingkiller and sat with it for longer, I'm like, I get the criticism and there's plenty of good cases to be made for it. But I'm wholeheartedly convinced that this is something else is going on here. And it's, it's this trope of this protagonist and this exceptional hero. Like Rothfuss is weaving in so many like cautionary flaws that go in hand with that kind of character and he's built it up in terms of how it's being told that something is the other shoe's gonna drop for quoth and this is all building up to it and i'm just so interested to see how this goes it's been so well constructed to this point i would never like mary soon would have never crossed my mind honestly if it wasn't for the online forms well you make some interesting points there charles and i think we're on a pretty similar page here as we often are on the fdf (laughs) podcast there's a reason we're lifelong friends yeah and i think that something that came up for me in my research that i want to mention before we finish up here is Mm -hmm. i was like okay well why when me and charles keep talking about this and we're, we're not thinking he's a mary sue why is this such a common thing that comes up? And uh, I think it's because the term is marked by so many different definitions. So we tried to give Mm -hmm. ours at the front and we tried to analyze it through that lens. But if you have a different definition of Mary Sue, it's not surprising at all that you come to different conclusions about whether Quoth is one or not. And among the... There are many different interpretations of what a Mary Sue is that are presented on TV tropes, and I recommend checking out that page. But one of the things that's described on that page is the the prototypical Mary Sue is an original female character in a fanfic who 
obviously serves as an idealized version of the author, mainly for the purpose of wish fulfillment. She's exotically beautiful, often having an unusual hair or eye color, <laughs> and has a similarly cool and exotic name. She's exceptionally talented in an implausibly wide variety of areas and may possess skills that are rare or non-existent in the canon setting. She also lacks any realistic or at least story-relevant character flaws, either that or her flaws are obviously meant to be endearing. And I think if you're coming in with a lot of those connotations, it's hard not to pretty quickly. Quote checks a lot of those boxes, but not all of them and not Not the important ones, the improbable aspect of it. And you know, Mm -hmm. like the, the sneaky ones that Rothfuss purposely did not check. (laughs) I I think, you know, (laughs) when crafting quotes, I think so too. And I think we're supposed characters. to not like him to a certain extent, right? He's supposed to be this kind of overcompetent, seemingly perfect guy. Yeah, and I think, though this probably wasn't the intention at the time, in some ways it feels like Quoth is not necessarily a subversion of the Mary Sue, but toying with the idea of these legendary characters and the idea of telling stories about legendary characters who... Uh, really it's later on that the term Mary Sue really got popularized right. outside of fanfic circles but <laughs> looking back it feels like Quoth is yeah I wouldn't say subversion but a a character that toys with that Rothfuss toys with the idea of Mary Sue's and mythical legendary figures and because he is meant to be someone where that's toyed with he has to represent at least some of these characteristics for it to be interesting or compelling Mm -hmm. so i think yeah if your definition of mary sue has a lot of these like exotically beautiful with the weird hair color um (laughs) right it's fire red it's not just a red red hair the way we know it it's fire red it's definitely like a noticeable unique thing yes and as cooler exact name like something where the first two layers are k and v and it's like (laughs) how do i pronounce this like those kind of things of course are present with quoth and i think it's intentional and like you said charles doesn't hit all of the things i mentioned that definition but it's hard not to almost think of quoth when you're hearing that so we understand why this is a criticism leveled a lot there's a valid argument to be made there that he is and um like we said at the beginning, it's just we're more interested in what boxes have not been checked and how what are his flaws as a character that complement the ones that are checked and like the context of the whole frame story and it, these more subtle nuanced things that we're super interested in that we're willing to give Quoth the benefit of the doubt until we wait and see what Doors of Stone has in store for us. <laughs> Well said, Charles. And I think this is a conversation that really uh, does make me excited to have that how productive is the term Mary Sue type conversation because I think it's in some ways a criticism that doesn't really give us the chance with Quoth to get into the depth of what makes him such a compelling character and right and it has a very negative connotation as a term also which i'm not crazy about (laughs) because even if he is a lot of these things that doesn't necessarily mean we have to be 
like put him down and, and like dismiss the character and and be like oh one star off my rate um, off yeah. my rating because of this it's like uh, yeah and, and we'll get more into that in a couple days but it does <laughs> make will, me excited Charles. to have that conversation because it's interesting the trajectory that Mary Sue has had in like online forums and book reviews and things and what it means or doesn't mean and we'll get more into that but I thought it was you know we both thought it would have been fun to talk about it in terms of Kingkiller and in terms of Quoth because he is a more contemporary example and a more contested example for a lot of people online and and we had very strong opinions about Quoth as well that we could not contain in an episode that also dealt with the phrase Mary Sue at large. So it's like, we'll have this conversation, get ourselves ramped up to have the bigger conversation uh, in a few days. But I'm glad we did this. And um, yeah, if you guys at home agree or disagree, let us know because we're interested. We like having this conversation. Yeah, just because Charles and I agree <laughs> a lot more along these lines of Quoth isn't a Mary Sue doesn't mean that we aren't open to hearing from y'all about reasons why you think he is or other reasons why he isn't. I don't care. I just want to hear from y'all. Yeah, I love engaging yeah. with the fans. <laughs> yeah. We just like having the conversation. We're not here to yeah. argue. We're here to like <laughs> be enthusiasts about Kingkiller. You know, we want to talk more about the flaws in Quoth's character and if he is or is not a Mary Sue and all that. We shared our piece and now we want to hear yours. Nailed it, Charles. Nailed. Should we get that outro music pumping and I'll tell them where they can find us on social media and beyond absolutely asking you shall receive here we go all right well you can find us on uh, gmail if you want to send us an email at <laughs> the mdf podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook or instagram at the fdf podcast you can find us on twitter which i say is probably the best place to reach out to us uh, at the fdf podcast one that's with the number one at the end and, and yeah if you just oh also the ftf podcast.com find our website and if you just google friends talking fantasy these days apparently we're coming up which charles and i never thought was going to be a thing we were thought we would just be competing with fantasy football for the rest of our days (laughs) but thanks to you the friends that's not no longer the case yeah just google friends talking fantasy given my track record competing at fantasy football it probably would not go well for us yeah, <laughs> yeah Dylan's do. search history is probably working against us because he's such a fantasy <laughs> football fan <laughs> uh, yes but also not often the, not as often the winner as I'd like to be <laughs> so if it's me and fantasy football i don't expect wins but we're doing okay we're doing okay <laughs> and thank you for finding us and for joining the discourse and thank you for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends